and uh, we'll uh, pick up kind of here where we left off and uh, motor down, hopefully get down through verse 25. That's the goal, <laughs> you know. <laughs> Well-laid plans, you know, they say you got a battle plan until the first shot's fired, then the battle plan goes out the window, right? So we have a goal. We always, well, m Wednesday night, Mark 8, we did 21 verses, you know. <laughs> so it's like, whoa, okay. <laughs> Mark's. Mark, yeah, you're recovering from it? Okay. Um, anyway, all right, Luke 11 here. I'm, I'm sorry, Romans 11. We're starting off real good, aren't we? Uh, let's start reading here again, uh, verse uh, 16, just to get the thought in our heads here as we move forward uh, in this section here. For if the first fruit be holy, the lump is also holy, and if the root be holy, so are the branches. And if some of the branches be broken off, and again, notice the the language, some of the branches. He doesn't say all of the branches. Um, some of them, the them, the them, Israel, some of them were broken off. Well, that would be the apostate nation. So the branches broken off is apostate Israel. The little flock isn't broken off, okay, because they stand by faith, just like we do. Actually, in Galatians 6, Paul calls them the true Israel of God. So, Verse 17, and if some of the branches be broken off, and thou, the Gentiles, being a wild olive tree, were grafted in among them, and with them partakest of the root and the fatness of the olive tree, boast not against the branches, but if thou boast, thou bearest not the root, but the root thee. Thou wilt say then, the branches were broken off, that I might be grafted in. Well, because of unbelief, they were broken off, and thou standest by faith, be not high-minded, but fear. And I believe last time we got down through that, the Gentiles stand by faith. That's how this issue is here. And then there is a, a warning by Paul. Don't get high-minded. Don't think the Gentiles are something special. He's not interrupting Israel's program. He's not casting Israel away because he thinks he can do something better with the Gentiles. Rather, he's doing something new with the Gentiles. And what tends to happen in Christianity is, what do we get? We get that fat head. We think we replace Israel. We think we're spiritual Israel. And in reality, uh, that is not what Paul is talking about. Now, in verse 21, For if God spared not the natural branches, take heed lest he also spare not thee. Behold, therefore, the goodness and severity of God on them which fell severity, but toward thee goodness. If thou continue in his goodness, otherwise thou also shalt be cut off. And they also, if they abide not still in unbelief, shall be grafted in. For God is able to graft them in again. For if thou wert cut out of the olive tree, which is wild, now notice, by nature, and were grafted contrary to nature into a good olive tree, how much more shall these which be the natural branches be grafted into their own olive tree for I would not brethren that I would not brethren that you should be ignorant of this mystery lest you should be wise in your own conceits that blindness in part has happened to Israel until the fullness of the Gentiles be come in and again we I think we looked at this issue but we're going to look I'll restate it okay the Gentiles stand by when he says there about the severity in verse 22 
Behold, therefore, the goodness and severity of God on them which fell severity, but toward thee goodness, if thou continue in his goodness. That isn't an if-then, a conditional phrase, okay? What Paul's doing here is he's talking about, look, guys, you see what God did with Israel. Set them aside, interrupted their program. He's over here now doing something new with the Gentiles. He can then go back and cut the Gentiles off and regraft in the nation of Israel. He, and it's a natural thing. So we're talking about Paul is getting into the naturalness of this movement here. There's nothing unnatural. There's nothing, again, what was our status? Uncircumcised in hearts and ears. Uncircumcised, without God, Ephesians 2, 11 and 12. Remember that? That's where our, but, so we're a wild olive tree, not producing anything, and now he's given us access. That issue of the olive tree is access. The fatness and the root thereof, that, that issue is access. That's what he, access to God with no barriers now. Why? Because of verse 15. He's reconciled the world. He's changed the status of the world. So now the world is savable. Uh, come over to Acts 14. Did we look at Acts 14 I don't, last time? Okay. You don't, don't ask Paul? Okay. All right, Acts 14. I was picking up in here the other night, and I find Bibles sitting on the pew bench, and I'm like, well, they're doing a lot of reading at home, aren't they? <laughs> you know, I, I know who they were, they, so it's okay. Uh, Acts 14, if you will. So what Paul is doing here is he's not, he's not making a statement that if you guys, that if thou continue, it isn't an if and then. It's a statement of fact. One day God will do what? Cut off the Gentile, and he will go back to the nation of Israel's program. And that's the point, and that's the, the, that's the issue in verse 16 to 25. Okay? The issue is, is Paul is using a Jewish illustration of the olive tree to provoke Israel to jealousy, to provoke Israel to emulation, to provoke her to pay attention, because when we get down to verse 25, we're going to see something about a mystery blindness that's happening. And when we do that, he's, he doesn't, he, verse 13, 11, 13, I speak to you Gentiles. Gentiles, I'm talking to the world out there, not just the church, the body of Christ, but all of the Gentiles out there. I, Pay attention. See what's going on. Look at this. Okay? So in Acts 14, there's verse 27, just kind of jumping in. Here is what Paul's describing with the issue of the olive tree. Acts 14 and verse 27. The, the issue of the, act of, of the olive tree is an open-door policy. That's what he's talking about. Okay, and I know you, you've got Abraham. When you go study out the olive tree in Israel's history, there's a connection with Abraham and the issues of eternal life. There's all of that to Israel. He's not talking about that for you and I. We're not Israel, see. To say that that's what we partake, partaking a part of isn't accurate in Romans 11. Now, it'll fit in Romans 4 where Paul talks about Abraham as our father in uncircumcision, Okay, but he's already dealt with Gentile salvation, world salvation in Romans 1 to 5. He's not talking about that in 9, 10, and 11. He's talking about the dispensational setting and the dispensational impact and what's happening with the nation of Israel. Uh, Acts 14, 27. 
And when they were come and had gathered the church together, they rehearsed all that God had done with them and how he had opened the door of faith unto the Gentiles. And again, he does that without Israel. Come over to, so that issue of open the door of faith, that's what Paul is describing in Romans 11. The Gentiles are grafted into a place of privilege in that they have access to God without the barrier, without Israel in between them. That's why Paul would say in Timothy, he gave his, he gave, he's the ransom and he's the mediator between God and men, the man Christ Jesus. Well, see, before there was a mediator between God and men, it was the nation of Israel. That's been removed. Why? We have an open door. Three times Paul says that we can access the Father. Romans and Ephesians, access, access. We never had that before. We're without God. We're without Christ. We're aliens. We're strangers. We're in trouble. Now look over at chapter 15. So the door of faith, no obstacles, that's what being grafted in is really all about. Titus 1, God before the who cannot lie, promised what? Eternal life before the foundation of the world. That has nothing to do with the olive tree, see? That has to do with what? What he promised before the foundation of the world. The olive tree comes later, by the way. It's since the world began. So you, you, have, to, you have to divest some of that old thinking. Um, verse, uh, Acts 15, look at verse 14. Uh, this is the the meeting between Paul and Peter and the guys there, uh, they've uh, been, verse 1, and certain men which came down from Judea taught the brethren and said, except ye be circumcised after the manner of Moses, ye cannot be saved. So what has happened? Guys have come down out of Judea, all right? More than likely from that, uh, from, everybody thinks they came from the church there in Jerusalem. Maybe, maybe not. But what did they do? They came in and said, what, you got to, okay, yeah, you're saying you're getting saved, but you're not keeping the, you're not being circumcised. You got to be circumcised, see, to uh, be saved. Now, if you come over in verse 5, but there rose up certain of the sect of the Pharisees which believed. See how he identifies who these guys are that came? They're the Pharisees. This isn't little flock. This isn't people a believing remnant. These are these are the guys that are stirring the pot. These are the guys that later in, in, uh, in Romans 11, he says they're enemies for the gospel's sake. That's who these guys are. What they do? That it was needful to circumcise them and to command them to keep the law of, the Mo of Moses. So not only do you have to be saved, circumcised to get saved, you've got to go keep the law to stay saved. See how we got legalism involved here? I love verse 19. I'm, I'm, we need verse 14, sorry, verse 13, Acts 15, 13. And after they had held their peace, James answered, saying, Men and brethren, hearken unto me. Simon hath declared how God at the first did visit the Gentiles to take out of them a people for his name. Notice, notice what he says, at the first, what did he do? He visited the Gentiles and he pulled out a... He visited, not a permanent thing. Back there in Genesis with Abraham, he wasn't staying in the Gentiles. He was what? Calling out of the nation a name. 
That's what he was doing, a people. Now watch verse 15. And to this agree the words of the prophet as it is written. Now watch. After this, I will return and will build again the tabernacle of David which has fallen, and I will build again the ruins thereof, and I will set it up. Now prophetically, we're back in Amos in the Old Testament, but notice what James says. Peter told us at the first, God did what? He visited the Gentiles, and then after that visit, what's going to happen? We're going to have us a kingdom, the house of David. See, so you have this, you have a, after the visiting the Gentiles, what's coming? The kingdom. Now, think about what Paul is doing, to, in, go back there to Romans 11. What Paul's doing here now in Romans 11. What's happened to Israel? They stumbled, but they don't fall. That stumbling over the identification of their Messiah results in Calvary. Then they stumbled again over the early Acts ministry of the little flock, which results in Acts 7 with the stoning of Stephen, their fall. And then they diminish away. And you know what Paul's saying is, is he's now visiting the Gentiles and when he's done visiting the Gentiles, 1126, 1126, what's going to happen? And so all Israel shall be saved. See that? What's he doing? Same thing James said, that Peter said. He's visiting the Gentiles, and then after that, he's going to give them the kingdom. Now, Paul is not saying we're fulfilling Amos and Isaiah and all that. He's drawing a picture for them. We're in a parallel condition here, guys. What's the Lord doing right now? Visiting the Gentiles. It's a temporary thing because Paul's focus is God is it's just a visit. The fall of Israel, the casting away of Israel is not permanent. It's not a fatal blow. It's just a temporary blindness. It's something temporary. Once he's done visiting, what's he going to do? carry out the Abrahamic and the Davidic covenant. Now, look down in Romans 11, if you're not back there, Romans 11. Look at verse 29. For the gifts and calling of God are without repentance. Think about that. When God said the gifts and calling of God are without what? God's never changing his mind about who? His people, Israel. So what can you take to the bank? When he's done visiting the Gentiles, he's going to come over here now and fulfill the Davidic covenant and finish out their program. So when you come to verse 20, what's unnatural here? God visiting the Gentiles. God saying, I have now given, I have an open door policy with the Gentiles. I've what? I've moved them into that olive tree, which, again, pictures and the access to God. So now the statement then, verse 20, well, because of unbelief, they were broken off, and thou standest by what? By faith. Again, it, that is that apostate nation. They're not walking by faith. The little flock is. That's why I said earlier up there, in verse 17, and if some of the branches, it doesn't say all the branches, it says some of them, okay? Some, save some of them, we're not getting all of them. 
verse 21, for if God spared not the natural branches. I want you to notice that word natural. Paul keeps using it, and unnatural, and natural. You see, God's relationship with Israel was a natural thing. His relationship with the Gentiles is an unnatural thing. Next hour, we're going to start, we're going to look at Satan's church. That's an unnatural thing. God's natural thing with Israel. But what did he do? Well, he'd take heed lest he also spare not thee. See the warning, verse 21. There's a warning here. Then he says, Behold, therefore, the goodness and severity of God on them which fell, severity. Well, who fell? Apostate Israel fell. What did he do to them? He cut them off. He cast them away. He broke them off. He sent them away. So if the, that's severe, you know. But toward thee, now again, who's the thee? The Gentiles, the world. Goodness, if thou continue in his goodness, otherwise thou also shalt be cut off. And again, it's not an if and then, because that would be a legalistic thing. It's a statement of fact. This is what's going to happen. He is going to one day cut the Gentile off. Okay? So think about verse 20. You, the Gentile, how do you stand? By faith. We have a place and a position. We have access granted to us. We have access to this position that the natural branches had, but now the unnatural, the wild olive tree, has access to it. So the Gentile occupies a status of grace and peace now. It doesn't say every Gentile is going to get saved. What's the, what's the status? We, have, we can have access, but we stand how? By faith. That goes back, again, Romans 3, upon all, it's unto all, and upon all them that believe. God's, the Gentile, verse 20, op, occupies the status based on faith and faith alone. Look back at chapter 9 and watch verse 30. Work this out here a little bit. Chapter 9 and verse 30. What shall we say then? That the Gentiles which followed not after righteousness. Why? We're a wild olive tree. We got no clue. We, we could care less. We're, with, we're, we're without God. We're without Christ. We're aliens and strangers. But yet have attained to righteousness. Even the righteousness which is of what? Faith. We now have attained. Why? Because God changed the, pro, the dispensational status of the world. And he's now allowing access to him without Israel, no barriers, to who? To the Gentiles. Not an if-then. It's just a, simply a statement of fact. The Gentile can only enjoy the riches that God has given them. How? By faith. So when you come back to Romans 11 and you look there at verse 22, we understand the severity of God, but then there's the goodness of God. Well, what is the goodness of God? Well, look at 11:11. I say then, have they stumbled that they should fall? God forbid, but rather through their fall, what? 
Salvation has come unto the Gentile. Again, it doesn't say every Gentile is going to get saved. It says salvation is what? Come unto. Titus 2.11 says that the grace of God hath appeared to all men. See? It's not every man's believing it. It's, it's available. So we've got salvation. Here's the goodness of God. Salvation. Verse 12. Now if the fall of them be the riches of the world... And the diminishing of them, the riches. So now we have a rich thing, don't we? Why? Because we have now this open door access to God. Look down at verse 31. Even so they also, I'm sorry, even so have these also now not believed, but through your mercy they also may obtain what? Mercy. The goodness of God is his right to extend Mercy, grace, long-suffering, forbearance. To who? To you, to the Gentiles. Come back over to chapter 2 of Romans. Chapter 2. Chapter 2 and verse 4. We've, been, we've seen the goodness of God in our study in Romans. By the way, I think this is like, I don't even know what lesson it is now, 122 or something like that, so... You know, a hundred lessons ago, we weren't even here. I think the first 30 was in chapter 1. But look at 2.4. Or despisest thou the riches of his goodness and forbearance and longsuffering, knowing, I'm sorry, not knowing that the goodness of God leadeth thee to repentance. Notice the rich, how rich the world is. Now, the, the world doesn't understand that. That's why he's given to us the word of reconciliation, that ministry of an ambassadorship. Why? Our job's to do what? Go out and proclaim grace and peace. Look how rich this world is. But notice forbearance, long-suffering, not, not knowing that the goodness of God leadeth thee to repentance. Come back to chapter 9. You see, the Gentile is grafted in. The Gentile is experiencing the goodness of God, that open door. All the Gentiles have equal opportunity and access to take advantage of his goodness, his mercy, his grace, his long-suffering, his forbearance. He's not denying anybody that access. The access is, an, is open. But how do you have to come? By faith. See. Uh, Romans 9. Look at Romans 9. Look at verse 22. What if God, willing to show his wrath... You know, he was willing to show his wrath. He showed it to Stephen. He's willing to do it. Why? Because the calling of God, the gifts and calling of God are without repentance. What did he say he's going to do one day? Pour out his wrath. So what's he going to do? He's going to pour out his wrath. But notice, what if God, willing to show his wrath and to make his power known, so he's willing to do that, but rather what did he do? He endured with much long suffering the vessels of wrath fitted to destruction. Think about that. He's willing to pour out his wrath on unbelieving Israel and the unbelieving Gentile, but rather, what did he pour out? His goodness. And, verse 23, that he might make known the riches of his glory on the vessels of mercy. Again, notice vessels is plural. 
which he had afore prepared unto glory. God's long-suffering, his mercy, his goodness is extending. His long-suffering is the extension of his riches, of his goodness to that world roundabout. Now, when you come back to chapter 11, that's what's happening in verse 20, 20 or verse 21 and 22. He's not saying if you do the, if you, you know, you got to hold the faith. You know, sometimes we get, we get a remnant mentality. <laughs> you know, we're the only ones that believe this, you know. And yet we find out there are other people out there around the world that come, we were talking about it beforehand, come to understand right division with, away from us. That never, we, you don't even know. I mean, I think we'll be shocked at the, the gathering together, the rapture of how many of us there are. But yet, what do we get? We got, well, if the believing realm, no, it's, up, it's God's what? His, his goodness. It's his long suffering. Now, watch verse 23. And they, what? Also. If they abide not still in unbelief, they, all Israel, what can happen to Israel if they come to faith? They shall be grafted in, for God is able to graft them in, notice, again. Now, you got to be careful with verse 23 because he's not, when he says grafting them in again, he's not talking about, he's talking about in Israel's program. If a, if a Jew comes to saving faith today, where does he go? Which program? Church, the body of Christ. He doesn't go into little flock. He comes over here because the body is made up of a Jew and a Gentile. He stays here. So when Paul says if they, you know, they're, they're cut off, unbelief, they shall be what? What does Israel have to do? When the rapture happens and we're all taken home and the program comes back on, how does Israel have to respond? By faith. That's what the whole problem's been all along. They're not operating by faith. You see that? I hope you see that. Okay? Verse 24. Now watch Paul, because Paul is, he's shifting into overdrive. We're going, you know, uh, I've been looking at Corvettes and I'm in a, Manual seven speed, man, he's wrong going. All right? He's got it in there. 100,000 RPM, he's boom in verse 24 and 25. Watch what he does. For if thou, thou, Gentiles, were cut out of the olive tree, which is wild by nature, and were grafted contrary to nature. Again, God is doing something that's not natural. He has the right to do it. The natural would be to stay over here. Change the program. How much more shall these which be the natural branches be grafted into their, now watch, own olive tree? Now we're, look, Gentiles, don't you get a fat head? Don't you think you're better than Israel? Because just as he, you saw what he did with Israel, he's going to do it with you one day. And when he does that, he's going to reestablish Israel's program. He's going to break you off the olive tree, and he's going to put back Israel, okay? But the Israel coming back, who is that? That's the believing remnant. You with? Okay? 
come over to Matthew 12, or, or Matthew 3. You, you, again, this helped. You, what really helps here is understanding Israel's program because Paul does. Paul is fluent in Israel's program, the Jews' religion. And he's expecting you to be fluent in Israel's program. Look at Matthew 3, uh, verse 11 and 12. Verse 11, John the Baptist is speaking, I indeed baptize you with water under repentance, but he that cometh after me is mightier than I, whose shoes I am not worthy to bear. He shall baptize you with the Holy Ghost and with what? Fire. Now watch him explain the fire whose fan is in his hand, and he will thoroughly purge his floor and gather his wheat into the garner. What would the wheat represent? The believing remnant, the true Israel of God. What's left? He's going to burn up the chaff. There's the broken off branches that didn't respond back in by faith. God's never oper He's always operating on that fundamental issue of faith. Positively responding to the word of God to you in the moment. So come back to Romans 11. Again, what Paul's doing here is, is look, Gentiles, you're going to say, verse 19, the branches were broken off that I might be grafted in, Romans 11, 19. Don't say that. Don't be high-minded. Because just as you saw God change Israel, one day he's coming He's going to bring us to a conclusion, and when he does, he's going to break you off, and he's going to go right back to Israel's program. Okay? You got that? All right, let's go have donuts. <laughs> By the way, there's a lot of donuts next door, okay? Men's meeting was uh, yesterday, and we got donuts and bagels left over. Now, watch verse 24, because there's a phrase in here I want you to catch before we get into 25. See how he says there, how much more shall these? You see that phrase, much more? That is a Pauline phrase. I'll come back to Romans 5. We see it in Romans 5. And I just want you to catch what he's talking about when he says much more. Look at Romans 5. Now, Romans 5 is the conclusion, concluding chapter of the great dissertation of our justification, our salvation unto eternal life. And in Romans 5, the first 11, actually all the, the whole chapter, you, ha you have nailed down the security, the assurance and the security of the believer. It's done. There's no way you're losing any of it. Okay? It's yours. But now watch verse 9. What's the first two words? Much more then. Much more. Being now justified by his blood, we shall be saved from the wrath through him. Look at that. Verse 8. But God commendeth his love toward us, and that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Much more then. Verse 10. For if, when we were enemies, we were reconciled to God by the death of his son, much more being reconciled, we shall be saved by his life. Verse 15. But not as the offense, so also is the free gift. For if through the offense of one many be dead, much more the grace of God. Verse 17. For if by one man's offense death reigned by one, much more they which receive abundance of grace and of the gift of righteousness shall reign in life by one, Je by one Jesus Christ. Verse 20. Moreover the law entered that the offense might abound, but where sin abounded, grace did what? 
much more. You see, much more. You, you, I hope you get the sense of what Paul's doing here. Paul says, listen, if Christ died for your sins and paid the penalty and he saves you from the penalty of sin, isn't he free to do much more with you? See that? To those who respond positively to the great, to the gospel, he's going to do much more than just give you eternal life. He's going to do what? Give you a life in Christ. See that? What's he saying in 11? In relationship, Romans eleven twenty four. in relationship to Israel, look at what he's doing to the Gentiles. How much more is he going to do to his, for his people? <laughs> the, the apple of his eye. There's no effort on God's part to restore Israel back to being the, the ones he's told them they were going to be one day. Much more. Man, you see what he's doing with us? And boy, isn't it wonderful what he's doing today in the dispensation of grace? Much more what he's going to do with Israel and her program. You catch that? that man, that, that is just so powerful because Paul doesn't just say, well, he's doing this, and then he does it. No, he says, you see the goodness of God? Look at this, how rich we are, how we're blessed with all spiritual blessings. We're complete in him. We got this. Much more. What, look at what he's going to do with Israel. Look, look back up at, uh, you're in Romans 11. Look at verse 12. For if the fall of them be the riches of the world and the diminishing of them the riches of the Gentiles, how much more there, what? Fullness. Now in 25, he's going to talk about the fullness of the Gentiles, and that word fullness means to bring to completion the plan. Look at what Israel gets when he completes out her plan, her program, that kingdom. Look, much more. He's going to do this with you guys and it without Gentiles. It's great and wonderful, but man, how much more is he doing with Israel? Much more. Again, the obviously the language here by Paul demonstrates that the dispensation of grace is temporal, temporary in its nature. It's not a permanent thing. It's not a fatal thing. No one, Peter, Israel, little flock, never thought, Paul never thought that the day of grace would go on for over 2,000 years. He never thought that. He thought it was going to be done in his life. He speaks that way. <laughs> and yet, what does God do? No, another day. Another day. Another day. Another day. Why? Openly, he spoiled principality and power, openly showing, triumphing over them where? In the cross. Man, exalt that cross. So God suspends the prophetic program, introduces the dispensation of grace and yet one day that this current dispensation will end and Israel who also has a part in the eternal purpose of God they can take care of the earthly part she's going to enjoy her fullness one day as well so now you come to verse 25 for I would not brethren that you should be ignorant of this mystery lest you should be wise in your own conceits, that blindness in part has happened to Israel until the fullness of the Gentiles become in. Now, you, this verse causes a lot of trouble with people.
because they like to make it say what it's not saying. So let's look at what it's saying. Here, what Paul is doing in verse 25 is here is the assurance that from God to Israel that her casting away is not permanent, it's not fatal, it, they will be restored one day. Because in verse 26, he's going to go quote Isaiah 59. All right? And so all Israel shall be saved, as it is written, there shall come out of Zion a deliverer. We'll get into all that next time, okay? You can't get to 26 until you, we look at 25. Because 25 is, it, it's the pivot point in this section. Because now 26 to 29 we're, and 30, we're on the downward side of, of proving his point. What's the point? Israel, you have fallen. God's cast you away because of your unbelief. He reached over. He's doing something new with the Gentiles. He has an open door, access policy now. But don't worry, Israel. This delay, this casting away, this fallen status is temporary. And Gentiles, don't you get a fat head. Don't you be wise in your own conceits because one day you are going to be broken off. You're going to, and that's the fullness of the Gentiles, okay? All right. Paul is demonstrating that the whole, and again, the whole of it here is that God is going to restore Israel, resume her program, and that resumption is a natural thing. It is not unnatural, because who is Israel? They're his people. Who are the Gentiles? Not his people. Unnatural. And yet he opens the door. Now, Paul's here, For I would not, brethren, that you should be ignorant. Seven times he uses that ignorant brethren type statement. And every time he says that, in the seven cases, they are integral doctrinal points that you need to be clear on. Now, we're not going to go through all seven of them, okay? But... You need to catch what he's doing here because what he's saying here is a couple things. First, he's saying that God will restore Israel back and finish out her program. The Gentiles, you're not to be high-minded and you're not to be ignorant of the status of Israel, but don't be ignorant about your current status as well of this mystery. Now, the, the use of the mystery thing there, again, kept secret, but it's more than just the message given to him, given to the Gentiles. Because be, that you should be uh, ignorant of this mystery, lest you should be wise in your own conceit, that what? Blindness. The mis there's a mystery blindness here with the nation of Israel. That's, they're not getting. And that's what Paul's going to get at here. By the way, the the end of that verse until the fullness of the Gentiles be come in. Uh, there's a great, great misunderstanding of this verse amongst Christianity. And what they say is that, and they use this verse to do it, they say, see, God turned to the Gentiles to finish out, every, to fulfill the program given to Israel, so we're going off into the kingdom, and we'll be okay, we're good to go. And yet, that's not what Paul's doing at all. Paul's saying, look, guys, we, there's a relationship here that you've got to pay attention to. And what Paul is demonstrating is the natural resumption of Israel's program and, and the natural conclusion of the program, the dispensation of grace. Okay? Now, 
watch verse 25, that you should be ignorant of this mystery, that blindness in part, I, I skipped that little phrase about being high, that blindness in part has happened to Israel. Now, we've talked about Israel's blindness already in the chapter. If you look back up at verse 7, what then? Israel hath not obtained that which he seeketh for. Again, what is Romans 9, what is he seeking for? The law of righteousness, the works of righteousness, 930 to 33 there. But the election hath, hath obtained it, and the rest were blinded. Okay? So there's a blindness here. And again, we, we've been through all that, and I don't want to reteach it, but what were they blinded of? The identity of their Messiah. They rejected Christ as Messiah. Then they were blinded over here of the, in the early Acts ministry of the little flock, Acts 1 to 7. They're blinded. No faith. They don't believe. Now, not all of them, because some of them do believe. Some join the little flock and so forth. So you have the blindness of Israel, but now what are they blinded? There's a mystery component now to their blindness. Now, who got the mystery? Paul did. So what they're blinded to is Israel is blinded in a dispensational setting as well. Israel is experiencing a dispensational blindness to the fact that they are they have been cast away. That they have been they have fallen. You talk to any Jew today and you know what they still think they are? God's people. You go over you know, orthodox, you know, the hat, the curls, the whole, why? We're God's people. But wait a minute, what has God determined them to be? Fallen, cast away. So there, there's a mystery component to their blindness. They're blinded to their status before God. They think they are still God's people. And they are blinded to what God is doing with and through the Gentiles. And thus the mystery component. Okay? Now, what God's working and doing with the Gentiles, open door, there's no, without Israel. So when Paul describes their blindness, they, he's talking here in verse 25, they don't see themselves as castaway, and they don't see God working among the Gentiles. If they did, they would have left Paul alone. But what does Paul say? They're persecuting me too. Why? They don't, they're blinded to that. So they... There is a layer of blindness that Paul now adds on. Verse 25, for I would not, brethren. By the way, First uh, Thessalonians 2, I think it is. Yeah, First Thessalonians 2. Just catch that, this issue about them being blinded to Paul and what God's doing to the Gentiles. First Thessalonians 2. Verse 14, for ye, brethren, became followers of the churches of God, which in Judea are in Christ Jesus. For ye also have suffered like things of your own countrymen, even as they have of the Jews, who both killed the Lord Jesus and their own prophets, and have persecuted us. And they please not God, and are contrary to all men, forbidding us to speak to the Gentiles that they might be saved, to fill up their sins always, for the wrath has come upon them to the uttermost. And again, that wrath there is that issue of blindness. They're filling up, they're blind, they're blinded to it, they're unbelief. So when you come back now to Romans 11, 25, when Paul says, I don't want you to be ignorant, God, folks, that you should be ignorant of this mystery, the mystery here is more than the message given to him, which is really verse 11 to 15, 
it's, hey, that, it's the blindness, is Israel's blindness, what are they blinded to? The mystery as well. They're, they're blinded. And so we got three, three strikes and you're out, right? They are blinded on the identity of the other Messiah. They're blinded on the occupation and the work of the little flock in Acts 1 to 7. And now they're blinded to what God's doing dispensationally with the Gentiles. Okay? Did I lose you? All right. Good. I'm worried about that one. Okay? Because then what does he say? Until the fullness of the Gentiles become in. And this is where everybody takes a dive off the deep end with no water in the pool. Okay? Because of the issue of the fullness of the Gentiles. By the way, catch it's partial. That blindness in part. Remember Acts 15? He's visiting the Gentiles. Acts 13 uh, give you the verse, Acts 13, Acts 13, uh, verse 11, Paul is talking, and now behold, the hand of the Lord is upon thee, and thou shalt be blind, not seeing the sun for a season, the blinding of the Jew here, uh, in, in, the, in, the, in Paul's first miracle, is a dispensational miracle, and it's a rejection uh, of uh, of, it's the casting away, the falling of Israel, that's the picture, and the bringing in of the Gentile and the dispensation of grace. But they're blinded for what? A season, temporary. 1125. So Israel, again, they're blinded. This is not the believing remnant. i, I got to keep saying that because sometimes that's where people think. The believing remnant was not blinded. They, by, they stood by faith. That's what 11.7 says. The election hath obtained it, but the rest were blinded. See, the, the believing remnant, they stood by faith. They understood what was going on, that God, what God was doing. Now, they don't understand all the little intricate details until Paul goes to them in Acts 15, Galatians 2, and gives it to them. But Peter knows in Acts 10, when he sees that sheet and goes and visits Cornelius, something's up. Something's not right. So they are... So until the fullness of the Gentiles become in. The key word in that, sec in that phrase is the word until, not fullness. Sorry. It's until because it's a timing issue. One day, this present dispensation will end. So the fullness of the Gentiles is not the times of the Gentiles. This, okay, those are two different things in Scripture. The dispensational blinding of Israel is going to extend all the way down until the fullness of the Gentiles come in. And again, that word fullness is the completion of a purpose. God is going to complete his purpose among the Gentiles, and the blindness is going to extend to that point. What ends the dispensation of grace? We call it the rapture, the gathering together, right? That doesn't end the church, that doesn't end the, church the body of Christ, because we have a future in the heavenly places, but what it concludes the dispensation of grace? The rapture does. So the fullness of the Gentiles is lasting till when? Till he completes what he's doing with the Gentiles, which is the rapture. Okay? 
he's going to extend it all the way down until the end of the dispensation of grace. Now, we'll look here at the times in just a minute. So the, what does the fullness of the Gentiles, what does it have to do with? Well, how about 11.11 and 11.12? Salvation has come unto the Gentiles, and it's the riches of the world and the riches of the Gentiles. So the fullness of the Gentiles has to do with God's purpose and doing something among the Gentiles. And when he's done with that, then he's going to do what? Verse 26, and so all Israel shall be saved and conclude that program out. Okay? Now, the time of the Gentile and the fullness of the Gentiles, again, they're two different things. The times of the Gentiles, that's a political statement. We're going to come, come over there to Luke uh, 21 as I say this to you. The time of the Gentiles concludes with the second coming of the Lord Jesus Christ. Okay? And the establishment of his kingdom here on the earth. The fullness of the Gentiles concludes with the gathering together of the church, the rapture of the church. If you think that the fullness of the Gentiles equals the times of the Gentiles, then what did you just do? You put us going through the 70th week of Daniel and into the kingdom. Paul's chapter 5, we just read it. Much more than we're saved from the wrath to come. If you think both are the same, and I, again, many teach that, then we have some timeline problems, okay? We have an issue here. Now, look at Luke 21. So if Paul says that this, mis by, also, by the way, <laughs> if Paul says this mystery blindness of Israel is, is until the fulfillment of the times of the Gentiles, then that means the mystery blindness lasts through the 70th week of Daniel, which then doesn't add up to anything we read in the Hebrew epistles. Okay? So there are two different things. Paul is talking about the, fullness, the fulfillment of the full, fullness of the Gentiles, not the time of the Gentiles. Now, where that phrase comes from, Luke 20, 21, I'm sorry, Luke 21 and verse 24. And they shall fall by the edge of the sword and shall be led away captive into all nations. And Jerusalem shall be trodden down of the Gentiles until the times of the Gentiles be, notice, fulfilled. This is not 1125, Romans 11. This is not who, and again, many read this as 1125. and It's not, it can't be. Schofield has a note here. And if I can read this, then you'll... He says, The times of the Gentiles began with the captivity of Judah under Nebuchadnezzar. Second Chronicles 36, the whole chapter. Since which time Jerusalem has been under Gentile overlordship. Quote, unquote. Now think about that. Come over with me to Hosea. Chapter 3, the, when you talk about Hosea 3, when you talk about the time of the, gen, the times of the Gentile, you're talking about Leviticus 26 and that fifth course of judgment, that last course, where Israel will be under Gentile rule. 
it starts with Nebuchadnezzar. We'll look at that here in just a second. Look at Hosea 3 and verse number 4 and 5. Paul, so times of the Gentile is talking about the political. Paul is not talking about that. Paul's talking about you and I and the dispensational issues of us. Hosea 3, verse 4. For the children of Israel shall abide many days, now watch, without a king, and without a prince, and without a sacrifice, and without an image, and without an ephod, and without teraphim. Afterward shall the children of Israel return and seek the Lord their God and David their king and shall fear the Lord and his goodness in the latter days. Now, that's a prediction of the future. But notice something. The, when does Israel begin to function without a king in the Old Testament history? Well, 1 Chronicles 36. I told you first, a minute ago, 1 Chronicles 36. I'm sorry, 2 Chronicles 36. I can't read my own writing because there's no 36 chapters in 1 Chronicles. In 2 Chronicles 36, which happens about 610 B.C., the captivity of Israel is said to be 600 B.C. Verse 1, then the people of the land took Jehoaz, the son of Josiah, and made him king in his father's stead in Jerusalem. So Jehoaz has a king. Verse 9, Jehoiakim was eight, I'm sorry, Jehoiachin was eight years old when he began to reign, and he reigned three months and ten days in Jerusalem. There's 600 B.C., okay? Verse 10, and when the year was expired, King Nebuchadnezzar sent and brought him to Babylon, with the goodly vessels of the house of the Lord, and made Zedekiah his brother king over Judah and Jerusalem. Okay? So you got Zedekiah. Oh. Verse 11. Zedekiah was one and twenty year old when he began to reign, and reigned eleven years in Jerusalem. Come over to Daniel 9. Maybe it's Daniel, I'm sorry, Daniel 1. Yeah, here's what I was looking for. I'm sorry. I am completely off base. Who showed up? Nebuchadnezzar. That's the point. Daniel 1, verse 1 and 2. Daniel 1, 1. In the third year of the reign of Jehoiakim, king of Judah, came Nebuchadnezzar, king of Babylon, unto Jerusalem and besieged it. And the Lord gave Jehoiakim, king of Judah, into the, his hand, which part of the vessels of the house, with part of the vessels of the house of God, which he carried into the land of Shinar, into the house of his God, and he brought the vessels, and so on. So with Nebuchadnezzar, Israel no longer has a what? Has a king. But afterward, what's going to happen? They're going to go seek the Lord and go back in and have a king. So the time of the Gentiles starts with Nebuchadnezzar. Now come over to Daniel 2. Just follow the bouncing ball. Daniel 2, 44. 
So the time of the times of the Gentiles began with Nebuchadnezzar and the Babylonian captivity. Now in Daniel, the Lord gives Nebuchadnezzar dreams. He gives Daniel the answer. Daniel, Daniel 2 is the image of, that Nebuchadnezzar has, the head of gold, the body, all of that. And in verse 44, Daniel says, And in the days of these kings, okay, so Babylon, the Medes and the Persians, Greece, and in the kingdom of the Antichrist. Okay? The days of the king shall the God of heaven set up a kingdom, which shall never be destroyed, and the kingdom shall not be left to other people, but it shall break in pieces and consume all these kingdoms, and it shall stand forever. That's the goal of prophecy. The times of the Gentiles, the fifth course of judgment, Leviticus 26, 32, 33, right in there until the end, starts with Nebuchadnezzar, and it's going to end when the king comes back and sets up the kingdom. What did Hosea 3 say? There's no king in Israel. After that, what's going to happen? We're going to have a king, David sitting on the throne, and back we end. You with me? Okay? That's the times of the Gentiles. So in 1948, when the leagues and the nations... Gave, made Israel a nation state that wasn't God doing it, that wasn't any fulfillment of prophecy, that was a bunch of Gentiles helping out a bunch of other Gentiles, i.e. Israel. Okay? If it had been God doing that, that whole territory would have been Israel, not just a sliver. It wasn't. It was who? It was man. It was the Gentiles doing that. By the way, 1948, what dispensation are we in? Grace. So guess what? Israel is of no consequence, period. Who's, what's the issue? The fullness of the Gentiles. You follow that? I love people. Oh, Hitler was the Antichrist. No, he wasn't. You know how you know? We're still here. Now, he could have been if God did what? Called us all home and said, we're done. <laughs> Time to go on. But he wasn't. I love that. Clinton's the Antichrist. Obama, the Antichrist. Right, right, right. Everybody that's opposite you is the Antichrist. You know, it's like, come on, really? Yeah, and believers say that nonsense. That's what cracks me up. It's like, come on, really? You know better. Now, go back to Romans 11. In Romans 11, when Paul talks about the fullness of the Gentiles, he's not talking about the times of the Gentiles. The times is the political issue. Israel fell politically, Daniel 1, with Nebuchadnezzar. Politically, there is no king in Israel anymore. We're doing what the Gentile tells us to do. Okay? That's why in 2 Chronicles 36, that passage ends with King Cyrus. You know who he was of the Medes and the Persians? What does he say? Go back into your land and reestablish it. But he doesn't send them back to rule themselves. You read the history, he sends them and says, report back. He still has the, to give them the okay to go. Ezra goes, Nehemiah goes. He's got to get the Nehemiah's got to go, you know, play a little bit of uh, Hollywood on him, a little stage acting to get him to send him back. See? So there is no political freeness now. Spiritually, where did Israel fall? Acts 7. They're cast away. They're in this condition until the fullness of the Gentiles 
when, until God brings to completion the dispensation of grace. Now, come over to Ephesians 1. <clears throat> Ephesians 1, and just catch this and we'll be done. We'll pick up in 26 next time, okay? Look at Ephesians 1, and look at verse 20. Ephesians 1, verse 20. Paul says, Which he wrought in Christ when he raised him from the dead, and set him at his own right hand in the heavenly places. Far above all principality and power and might and dominion and every name that is named, not only in this world, but also in that which is to come. So there's, what is the fullness of the Gentiles? What is God doing today? He's forming the church, the body of Christ, to do something. To do what? To fill up, verse 22, and hath put all things, the all things there, the, that governmental structure of the heavenly places under his feet and gave him to be the head over all things to the church. Now watch, which is his body, the fullness of him that filleth all in all. The church, when God forming the church, the body of Christ, you know what we are? We're the fullness of him. We complete him. In what realm? In the heavenly places. See that? So the fullness, if you look over in chapter 2 and read verse 6, and hath raised us up together and made us sit together in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. You see, folks, the fullness of him, the fullness of the Lord is who? It's his body. When he completes, brings to a completion the forming of his body, that com- brings the dispensation of grace to completion. And that's what Paul's getting at in Romans 11 there. Hey, blindness isn't there. It's a partial issue. It's temporary until God's done forming the church, the body of Christ. And when he's done, 11:26, and so all Israel shall be saved, as it is written. And then he quotes Isaiah. And we'll, I guess we'll get into that next time. Don't confuse the dispensational blindness of Israel is going to come to a completion. It has an end to it. So don't confuse the two, fullness and times. They're completely independent of each other. They're critical to get and to understand. I mean, you go to to, uh, the book of Revelation, and it's all through there. Um, There was a passage in Revelation. Oh, it's time to quit. Revelation 11 and verse 2, uh, verse 1, And there was given me a reed like unto a rod, and the angel stood, saying, Rise and measure the temple of God and the altar and them that worship therein. But the court which is without the temple leave out and measure it not, for it is given unto the Gentiles. See, now we're on the outside again. We're not in it. Why? The dispensation of grace is over. He's ready to come back and finish out the time. Okay? All right. We'll finish in verse, we'll, we'll get 26, though, as far as we can go next time. Okay? Because this, pad, this section's critical here. What Paul is dealing with is when God accomplishes the, the, the formation of the church, the, when it's complete, The dispensation of grace is over. Israel's blindness is lifted. And God can naturally resume Israel's program. And that's what he's getting at. Okay?
All right. Dearly Father, we thank you for the morning, Lord. We thank you for your word and for the study of it and the look into it here and the riches of it and the riches that you've given to us. We thank you for that. In your name we pray. Amen. All right. Any questions?